Our reading today comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 10, verses 1 through 10. Very truly, I tell you, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate, but climbs in by another way, is a thief and a bandit. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will not follow a stranger, but they will run from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this figure of speech with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So again Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and bandits, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved, and will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. The Word of God for the people of God. Pray with me, please. We do indeed pray, God, that the words of faith that nurture, that inspire, that heal, the words that give us life and life abundant might come not only from the reading of this good word and not only from whatever may happen in the proclamation in this moment, but from all of our lips as we speak your truth and live our faith today and all the days to come. In the name of Christ our Lord, we pray. Amen. Bible Sunday is always a great day for us. It is not only wonderful just to have the kids here, but it's just so powerfully symbolic of a very core action of our life, sharing God's word with the next generation. I, as Amy told you, like her, have my first Bible given to me by Montrose uh, Methodist Church. It wasn't even United Methodist denomination back then. Uh, mine was 1964. I was a little bit older than Amy's. And uh, Amy, you were really lucky because you got sniff, or sniff stickers. I didn't get anything and, except the Bible. And in my Bible, um, there are no pictures. I mean, it was hardcore, baby. You, you know, you're going to read the Bible. That's what it was about. And uh, I remember getting this Bible. I still keep it with me, obviously, like Amy and like many of you. I've had more than a few other Bibles in my possession. But this is what I hold on to because it reminds me of the foundation. And when I got this Bible, I know I remember thinking, that's an awful lot to read. And I thought, well, it must probably be the kind of reading that will tell you the rules and give you the guidelines, what you're supposed to do, what you're supposed to stay away from, and that kind of thing. But fortunately, in addition to giving me this Bible, that congregation gave me mentors who taught me and nurtured me and helped me understand that this is far more than a book of rules and do's and don'ts and old stories that no longer matter. Really, it's an invitation. It's an invitation into a relationship with the living God. 
And these are the words of my people and our experience and engagement with this living God in years past and today. This Bible has been for me an ongoing reminder of that invitation that caused me into a relationship, a dynamic in this moment right now relationship with the living God. And this book, this story tells me several key things. Helps me know who we are. That ultimately after everyone else has defined me and called me whatever they want to call me, I'm reminded I'm a child of God. I'm a disciple of the living Lord. It invites me to create community in a particular kind of community. A community where we come together and share our faith and where we live and grow together in a dynamic relationship and a movement of the Spirit. It gives us our mission. What are we supposed to do with our life? What are we called to accomplish? What's this all about? It tells me and it guides me. And ultimately, this book, by invitation, allows me to hear the voice of God. Now, this voice is more than auditory. Now, there are some in this room who may very well say in their faith journey that they have heard the voice of the Lord. And in fact, I know that that's possible. But I want to suggest to you it's more than just hearing a voice. It's deeper than sound. It is a voice that lives within us, deep within us, within our spirit. This voice of God exists in the midst of everything else. When all other voices are quiet and no one else is left to speak, or when the shouting is so loud you can't hear yourself think, the voice of this living God remains. This holy voice is our strength. It's our foundation. It's our comfort and at times our prodding to get on with it. It is the voice that allows me to have hope in the face of defeat and peace in the midst of war. Jesus knows about that voice. He's speaking about it in the passage that Sylvie just read to you. It's a passage about shepherds and sheep, which most of us know really very little about. But it's appropriate to talk about the shepherd and sheep today because back in the day, sheep needed shepherds because for sheep it was a dangerous world. Sheep live in constant danger because they are defenseless. Any predator can take them at a moment's notice unless they have someone watching over them. Sheep need a shepherd because fundamentally they are stupid animals. No disrespect intended to any sheep out there in the congregation. As one shepherd said it, I've never known any animal more determined to kill itself by stupidity than anything else in this world. Sheep have no knowledge of what's going on around them. They need someone to be looking from afar, making sure they're safe and protected. This imagery worked well in first century Palestine because it was a fearful world. Because there was danger all around. Persecutions were heating up. And the power that was wanted to maintain its power by shutting down, shutting up, and killing those who would speak against it. Yes, including Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. They knew, those disciples of Jesus, that just like they had killed Jesus, they too might be destroyed by the powers that be of the world. It was a scary place, a scary time. In the midst of this scary world, they gathered together and they told stories. The stories of the scriptures. The stories of their experience with Jesus Christ. They told stories that reminded them of truths that were larger than the fears outside the doors. They told stories to help them remember who they were and what their mission was and what kind of community they were called to create. And they heard this story of the shepherd and the sheep. They were reminded that in a dangerous world, in a dangerous world, 
the voice of God remains. Now, you and I both know that in a dangerous world, we need to hear that voice. And we are not unlike that first century Palestine. We live in a world that is filled with fear. And it's not as far away as the other side of the world, though it exists there. I received an email uh, yesterday from Angie Shai. Jeff and Angie and their family moved to China a few years ago uh, with Jeff's job taking them to Shanghai. And they uh, have uh, lived there, loved their time in China, been active in a ministry, a congregation there in China, and will soon be coming back to America. And Angie's rejoining our staff in the middle of June to help guide our worship. We're really looking forward to getting them all home. While they've been there, they've been attending a Christian church, and she sent me an email about worship today. They got an email from their pastor saying that today in worship, the congregation needed to be prepared because there would be police presence in the sanctuary with armor. And they would be inquiring about every person who came into the sanctuary. And if you were bringing a guest with you, they would ha- you would have to register that guest, who would then be up for an interview by the police. Because there's been some uprisings and violence in the area, the first thing they do is go where people are gathering to make sure the right things are being said. Sometimes it's still a scary world, even in the church. In 1964, when I received this Bible, it was a scary world out there. You know what was going on. Civil rights, Vietnam. But in Montrose, we were pretty isolated. We were pretty cut off. I think we cut ourselves off from the world. In 1964, uh, I got on a bus to go to school because we lived out in the country pretty far away. But had I lived any closer, you know how I would have gotten to school? I would have walked. I would have ridden a bike. Any of you do that when you were growing up? You realize that's not the world we live in today, right? Now I drive up and down Walden Road and I realize I can't go now because there's a long line of SUVs dropping off their kids. Why? Because this generation's lazy? Well, yeah, that's true. It's also because moms and dads are afraid. So they want to make sure they drop their kid off the school door. They no longer dare risk letting their kid wander to school. It's a frightful world we live in. Fear has overcome us in so many ways. How many of you, like me, have an alarm system on your house? In Clarkston, or Waterford, or wherever you are. Because somehow at 3 o'clock in the morning, you're just not sure what's going to be outside your window. How many of you are living in a world where the conversations around you are now stilted or shut down and cut off because we are afraid to listen to each other? We're afraid to really talk to each other, especially those who disagree with us, those who have different attitudes and understandings than us. We've gotten to a place where we isolate ourselves away from those who are different than us, and we talk the same kind of talk with the same kind of people, and we often talk about those people whom we don't know because it's easier and safer for us than we think than engaging with them. We're going to annual conference this week, and I'm serious that I need your prayer support as I and several of us are trying to guide a conversation 
conversation of just listening to each other with respect and prayer and coming together on common ground rather than immediately dividing who's on this side and who's on that side. Which caucus are you in? The story of the shepherd's important because it reminds us with all the fear out there in the world, there is a voice. There is a voice today still that we can hear that calls our name that reminds us that we have something in our lives greater than the fear. We have the identity of the living God who calls us by name and we know when we hear that we are safe and we are welcomed into a community. Now truth is, while I have some idea of shepherding, I really know very little about it. And I could spend time trying to help you understand it and pull up scriptures around how the shepherd worked in first testament, first century New Testament times. Today it seems more appropriate and perhaps more relevant to talk about the way we hear the voice of God come to us in fearful times when we think about the work and love of a mother. As Amy said, Mother's Day is a day fraught with all kinds of joys and obstacles for a preacher. There are those out there who've been blessed with wonderful mothers. There are those of you who have not. There are those of us who wish we could have been mothers, didn't really ever want to be a mother, and wonder what the day's about. And all of us have all kinds of emotions around it and understandings about it personal to us. And yet the truth is, all of us can understand that we have been mothered, I pray, by those in your life who have nurtured you and loved you and cared for you, as Amy illustrated earlier. And when you watch those people care about us in the way in which they do, you discover that that kind of love, that kind of mother's love, is the kind of love that calls out in the midst of a world that might otherwise be scary. That kind of love talks about naming danger when it threatens and meeting it with savvy and with courage. That kind of love pays attention to what we aren't paying attention to, like knowing what time it is and when we're supposed to be home and when we're not home and when we're supposed to be where we're supposed to be and what the weather's like outside and what it's going to be like. Today I'm privileged to have my mother here with me in worship today. She's sitting in the back row, but I know her presence. I always know mom's presence when she's in the room. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, and I've been blessed with a wonderful mother, a mother who nurtured me, who's given me unconditional love all my life. A mother who was watching out for me even when I wasn't always as appreciating it as I should have, perhaps. I still remember in the first grade being sent to school on a day that looks very much like today, wearing a yellow rain jacket and galoshes on my feet. I felt like an idiot. And I was mad. And so I came home in a downpour, dry, because she had been watching out for me. You know that kind of love that teaches the difference between right and wrong. It talks about showing up, being present, caring. It talks about having a strong sense of identity and belonging, coupled with profound respect and appreciation for others. It talks about compassion and knowing that somehow we're all in this together. And as all of you mothers know, it means getting your heart broken allows you to have a heart which is open to hold pain as well as the beauty of being fully human. It means letting your voice be heard and listening to the voice of the one you love the most. Call your name. 
And when you hear that voice, it reflects love and hope and joy. And it's a holy voice that leads us to Christ. We all long for such a voice. And when we hear a voice speaking truth to our deepest questions and fears, it can change our life. Nita Dempster came up to me last Sunday. She told me that she had been a couple weeks before visiting her mother down in Nashville. Ruth Myrick, 97 years old, sharp of mind, not able to get around very well. So she's glad to see her daughter show up from Michigan. They sat there together and talked and talked about the kinds of things you talk about in those situations, updating about everything going on within the family, uh, talking about the weather, talking about social events, political realities, and so on. And then it came a time in the middle of the afternoon, the conversation sort of came to a law. So Anita Dempster said to her mom, 97-year-old Ruth, I've got an idea. Why don't we go on the website of my church and listen to my pastor's sermon? I like Anita Dempster. <laughs> so they pulled up a sermon that Anita had not heard, had not been present for, and just randomly listened to it. And as they listened to me go on and on and on and on, they heard in the sermon me talk about how Easter was lived out after Easter more fully by the way in which we express Easter faith in our actions. And in that sermon, right before it, I'm going to give you the setting, right before it, Ruth had been talking to her daughter. And she raised a question that every mother asked, I think. Did I do enough? Was I good enough? Did I give you what you needed? Any other mother in the room ever had those thoughts? Anita said, yes, you are a great mom. And then they heard this sermon. Randomly listening to it in the middle of the sermon, Ruth and Anita at the same time heard me say, let me give you an example of Easter faith lived out. I want to talk to you about Anita Dempster living out her faith. And I went on to talk about how I saw her do it. They had no knowledge that was going to come up. The series of coincidences that had to occur for that to happen tell me there's nothing about that that's coincidental. The divine hand was in that moment. And in that message, which by the way was not one of my better ones, I kept wondering, why did I preach that one? Now I know I preached it. I preached it for one transformational moment in Nashville, Tennessee, when a 97-year-old mother who was wondering if she'd done enough, in Anita's words, was able to lay back, put her head on the pillow, with a smile and a look of peace on her face, because she had heard a voice call out her daughter's name and affirm that in fact Ruth had done a good job. It was Mother's Day come early. The voices that we listen to can bring us peace if we listen to the ones that take us to the voice of Christ. And we're listening to a lot of voices. But today I pray that you'll get a chance to talk to your mom, either in the same room or on the phone. And perhaps it's been years since you've talked to her and perhaps it's no longer possible in this world. But some voices are those kinds of voices that live within us, no matter how long it's been or where they are. They're the voices that move within our spirit, that continue to nurture us. The time cannot change. 
Today I pray that you will be able to give God thanks for the best of those voices. For those who have loved us and who have been our mothers and who have wished and loved us so that we could have life and life abundant. Just like the Good Shepherd. Today we listen for the voice of our Lord. How long has it been since you've heard the voice of God? Have you been in an ongoing conversation with the Lord? Then I invite you today to stay in that conversation. Perhaps talk a little less. Listen a lot more. Go deeper in that conversation. Listen for the voice. A voice that in this world is calling your name. The one that gives you direction. The one that lets you know that you are loved. The one that lets you know that you have a purpose and a mission and a potential. Listen for the voice that wants you to live and live abundantly to the glory of God. Listen for that voice and allow it to take you out of your fear, away from your confusion, and to remove your doubt. Listen for the voice and let it take you home to the glory of God. Amen.